Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. If you don't know about the banning of the spring black bear season in Washington State, where the heck have you been? It got banned back in November and there has been a massive outcry an incredible outcry, an outcry that I'm incredibly proud of. But this Friday, tomorrow, the commission in Washington State that's actually down one commissioner is going to do a couple of things. Number one, potentially call a revote of the spring black bear season. But secondly, most importantly, are going to consider petitions for changing some regulations around the spring black bear season. And so I wanted to have a podcast as close to the commission meeting as possible with Marie Neumiller. Marie is the executive director of the Inland Northwest Council and is working very, very closely with organizations and partners in the state of Washington in an attempt to get back the spring black bear season. It's a fascinating conversation, a conversation that you need to take the information from and put it and plant it and imprint it in the back of your brain. 
because tomorrow is a massive day for us. Okay. Give me a percentage chance of whether or not we will get a spring black bear season back in Washington State in 2022. So the percentage for 2022, based just on our petition, is low, unfortunately. So our petition that we filed doesn't fix what happened with that season being paused. It closes the loophole that led to the season being paused. The problem is if they adopt our petition, it automatically starts into a rulemaking process. And I don't know that we qualify for an expedited rulemaking process. So they would okay. still have to go through public comment opportunities. So it's important for people to, to go in with expectations that more than likely the spring bear season for 2022 is gone. It's a done deal. It's, it's done. My understanding is the best chance of having spring bear 2022 reinstated would be for one of the commissioners who had voted no to call for a revote. So if the argument that hunters have made is compelling enough to encourage one of those commissioners to call for a revote, that is what would bring back the spring season. Okay, so then let's go through the voting structure then, because one of them's gone. One of them is gone, yes. Okay, so go through the names, and who would be yes? So the yeses came from Commissioner Kim Thorburn. Yep. Molly Linville. Yep. Jim Anderson. And, oh, now I'm on the spot. <laughs> um, Doug McIgasick. Don okay. McIgasick. Excuse me. The chair and the and the vice chair voted against voted the that. season. Yes, along and with Commissioner Lorna Smith. Smith and uh, Baker was the other one, right? Baker's gone. Yes, Baker. What is was the vice chair at that time? Yep. She is still there. Oh, so, sorry, sorry. Who who left? Uh, Commissioner Fred Coons. Coons, that's right. Coons left. Coons left. Too much pressure in the job. Yeah, it it did get very heated. This. This was a very polarizing topic. Oh, and most predator topics are, right? Yes. <laughs> well, before we go any further, um, people are listening to us going, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, Marie, please introduce yourself, explain who you are, uh, who you work for, and where you are, because that'll give us context for why we are talking about the Washington State spring black bear season. Okay, so my name is Marie Newmiller, and I'm the executive director. I represent the members of the Inland Northwest Wildlife Council. We are based out of Spokane, Washington. Our group is a mostly volunteer-led nonprofit wildlife conservation group. Kind of a short roundup of our mission statement is that we work for the betterment of fish, wildlife, and their habitat while creating a positive sportsman's image. Awesome. I like that positive sportsman's image, right? We, we have done a terrible job of PR uh, around who we are as hunters. Yes. I know Spokane. I have been to Spokane. Have you? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I was in Spokane when I was a PhD student at, at the University of Mississippi. My roommate for two and a half years was a guy called Jake Marquez, and he was from Spokane, Washington. Oh, wonderful. 
And so we came to Spokane. I can't remember what we did there for two days. I remember a couple of bars that I frequented. Um, but we did go up the Columbia River Gorge and watch um, who's the lead singer? Who was the lead singer of the Eagles? Oh, I don't know. Oh, geez, it'll come to and people. Oh, uh, Henley. Um, is it Patrick Henley? Bob Henley? People are going to freaking DM me and Instagram <laughs> me and say, "How do you not know the guy's name?" It'll come to me during this podcast. Watch. Okay. Um, but it was it was held at a winery, and all you could drink was beautiful red wine, and you sat in this amp this grass amphitheater, and uh, and listened to this guy play uh, amazing, amazing songs. So yeah, it's a beautiful part of the country that you're in. Yes, it is. So the motto in Spokane is actually near nature, near perfect. I like that too. I like that too. So let me, um, why don't we just re rewind the clock a little bit. For those that may not have any idea, we have a pretty big global fingerprint. Um, can you give almost like a, a summary, executive summary, five-minute um, version of what happened that has led us to me and you talking about a, a spring black bear season that is no longer. Sure. So in Washington state, our spring black bear seasons are done on a permit basis. And so each year the department biologists and staff look at, they look at a lot of factors. They look at harvest, they look at population numbers, they look at you know timber damage and conflicts. There's a lot of things that they review. They take all of that data and they set the permit numbers for the next year. And then the commission reviews those numbers and adopts that season going forward. In the October meeting, there were some hints that there were problems with the 2022 season um, because there was a lot of public backlash against spring bear hunting or hunt bear hunting in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then at the November meeting, when they were set to finally make their decision after hearing all of that public comment in the months prior, um, the commission took a vote on that season and they voted it was a four to four tie. Correct. We're short one commissioner. We should have nine, but we only have eight at the moment. Well, now seven. Right. Um, if there is a tie, then the opposition wins on that. It does not pass if it doesn't pass with a full, not necessarily quorum, and, and I guess, but to if give, it doesn't, uh, majority. Yeah. To give some more context there, what we were all under the impression of that we didn't know, and, and you just made it abundantly clear, because this was a special permit, mm -hmm. the regulation had to be, and this is important for the, for the future conversation in this podcast, the permit had to be filed for the next season. It wasn't, it wasn't a continuation. It was almost, this is a special permit that every year the regulations have to be voted on and approved. Is that correct? So every year they vote on adjustments. The way the spring bear season is different, my understanding is that because in the title, they have the year listed. So typically, if a rule doesn't pass in Washington state, then they can't go forward with that new season. They revert back to the past season's rules. Correct. And that's what everyone thought it was going to happen. Like if it right. went five to four, it went, or it went four to four was like, okay, so what? The regulations don't get adopted. It just goes back to what it was in 2020. Yes. But because 2021 is listed in the title, that law expires. That mm. law is only valid for 2021. 
And so because of that, they can't revert back to that season. There is nothing for 2022. Had 2021 not been in the title, is our understanding, then that season would have continued. You don't think it would have been just as, a, quite as simple as once it went four to four? And again, I'm not quite clear on how the commission sort of gets people to approach them, but you would have thought that the biologists would know that, number one. And then why didn't they at four to four just say, okay, we'll just stick with the old regulations and we'll just change the number to 2022? Um, so that's what we're hoping for with that revote is that then they can fix that and say, we'll continue with 2022. We just maybe won't go with the, the changes. The biologists encouraged them to go forward. The department was in favor of continuing the season because it fits well within their wildlife management plan that they're currently using. Was the spring bear harvest like a, a major impact on the black bear population of the state of Washington? No, I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but I believe they had around 600 permits available and only 149 tags were filled last year. Which of a population, what's the population estimate of black bears in the state of Washington? I believe around 30,000. Yeah, 25 to 30,000. I was That was a test, Marie. Was a okay. Test. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when you do the math, the math, 149 out of 25,000 to 30,000, Marie, what's the math? Very, very low. I think it's below 1%. Yes, correct. Look at you. (laughs) On the spot, (laughs) 0.58%. Okay. And so in terms of, you know, any impact to sustainable black bear populations, the spring bear hunt is essentially negligible. Yes. You could look at it the the other way, though, as well, from an anti-hunting perspective. If it's negligible, do you really need it? So I see it, even if it is negligible, then it becomes a finely honed tool. This is a very fine tool in the larger toolbox. So one of the ways that that fine tool is used is you have timber harvest, timber damage being done in areas where timber is being harvested. So the department can work with those timber companies and with hunters to help kind of mitigate some of that damage. Another way it can be looked at is if you have elk or deer herds that are struggling, you can take some of that spring pressure off during the spring calving season by having hunters there hunting in those areas like the Blue Mountains where the elk herds are struggling. So while it is still, it's a small number and you're not, will spring bear save the Blue Mountain elk herd? No, but it can help. It can have a positive impact and be one of many tools we use to help that herd. How long have you how long have you been in this in the game of you know wildlife resource stewardship, Marie? So I joined the Wildlife Council in 2018. Okay. What did you do before them. then? Before then I worked as a taxidermist. Okay. In Spokane? Uh yeah, so I interned with a, a shop in Post Falls. Okay. Okay. How since you started in twenty eighteen? How often has the idea of, I'll just, let's, let's stay specific, uh, the idea of black bear hunting, has it come under attack every year or is this something new? So in 2020, 
there was, um, when the spring bear permit came up, there was some pushback. It wasn't as strong. And it did, I believe, lead to a lawsuit as well to try and stop that season, but that lawsuit wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the first time that the season's that people have had concerns about the season. There are groups that just are opposed to predator hunting in general, mm-hmm. but it's never been this serious, I guess. We had tried to kind of raise some alerts and say, Hey, share your comments, share your stories. But we didn't know it was quite that impending. Well, even us, you know, we, we shared that, that video three weeks in October. Cause we heard the rumblings coming out of Washington state we heard the rumbling, so we said, hey, be careful. Let's listen, let's watch, let's pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it would have made a difference, actually, if people had then decided at that point to do their own petition. It might have. It might have swung maybe the vice chair's vote or the chair's vote. Who knows? Who knows, mm-hmm. right? But certainly post the news, 4-4, four to four, canceling the spring bear season, We've had a little bit of action, haven't we? We have. Been, I've been excited to see the involvement because that's always been my stance. Like we need to share our stories. And as hunters, we need to do a better job of really just telling the whole story and the whole picture. So when people hear about spring bear, what they hear is that greedy trophy hunters are killing sows and cubs are dying. The science shows that that's not true that hunters are actually taking a really good effort to identify what they are hunting and to make sure that they're not targeting sows with cubs. Uh, Let's be clear on that because I think that's, again, one of the things that is used against us, right? That they they constantly say, there's two things that they constantly say, and let me, you've already tackled one of them. So we'll we'll finish the first and I want to get to the second. The one is that sows have cubs and you guys kill sows with cubs and you just leave the the the, the cubs on the side of the hill and based on the data that i've seen i don't think that's ever happened now let's be honest for a second let's be authentic if someone did shoot a sow that did have cubs they may not report it they may just like uh you know the the triple s you know shit shovel and, and shut up kind of deal kind of deal you know Mm-hmm. Um, but the data suggests that only one sow is actually being killed in the spring bear season. Yes. Yeah, so in the 2021 season, I believe it was, well, there was one lactating female that was taken and presented, but that doesn't paint a full picture. That doesn't answer all the questions because it is possible for a sow to still be lactating after the cubs have died. Mm. So it's possible that those cubs weren't with her or those cubs were no longer alive. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of factors that can cause cub mortality. Uh, boars will kill cubs infanticide to put that sow back into estrus. Mm-hmm. If a sow's body fat is below a certain percentage, my understanding is she may abandon her cubs in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Or there are many other factors. The, the wild world's not very pretty. There's a lot no. of other ways that that could have impacted those cubs. What about the idea that spring, so spring bear season is bears coming out of hibernation and that they're sluggish and lazy and it's easier to hunt them? Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. Bears I've seen in spring seem pretty active. I don't know that any wild animal has the luxury of being sluggish. Mm, that's a they, good point. That's a really out. good point. Animals don't have the luxury. I think that's going to be the term. Bears don't have the luxury of being sluggish. No, maybe in a zoo where their every need is tended to, but in the wild, they've got to chase down their food. And actually, in spring is when a bear is most threatening to ungulate youth. Bears are opportunity hunters. They're going to go for whatever meal is going to give them the most caloric intake with the least output. So they will only chase those fawns for a certain period of time that they'll be a bigger threat to them. Once those fawns are up and moving, the bears tend to search for simpler food sources. One of the things I had learned, because when I heard that there were concerns about us orphaning uh, cubs, I really started looking into it. And one of the things I found speaking with biologists is that bears are such a big impact on ungulate youth in early spring because it is a big opportunity. Bears are focusing on those wild grasses. And that also happens to be where fawns are stashed. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so they're there eating the grasses and just happen across a fawn. And that's an mm -hmm. easy meal at that time. That, that's one of the reasons for the spring bear season is an almost a depression on pressure mm -hmm. on elk and deer fawns, as well as, as you mentioned, a sort of depredation side. And, and really, it's, it's funny to call it depredation on a forestry component. Um, but the young saplings that the forestry company has planted to grow into mature trees that is an economic asset um, also makes quite quite a little bit of sense because they're going after the young tender shoots that they possibly can grab mm -hmm. and are opportunists. Yeah. At the same time, though, you would think that the forestry lobby would have quite a big hammer to swing when it comes to these kinds of regulations. So why did they not swing the hammer? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know, and I don't know why timber companies didn't have more to say on that either do they not believe it's true do they just like it's not really that big of a deal i don't think so because they set up baiting stations so they're able to put out food to encourage the bears to move away from the trees and instead eat from those baiting stations because hunters who get tags from that spring permit draw in those timber harvest areas they also receive, my understanding is, maps and instructions on where not to hunt because there may be feeding stations in place. Oh, because you're not allowed to bait bears in the state right. of Washington. But, but they do have supplemental feeding programs to encourage bears to move off those trees. And so they, they try to coordinate with those hunters drawing those permits to make sure that they're not getting too close to those areas. Okay, well, let me ask this then. Have you ever heard the anti-groups that are anti-hunting, pro-feeding. Because it would almost make sense that they would be pro-feeding because it would mean that you'd, you'd lessen the depredation as the timber companies and the forestry companies are doing. You're lessening the depredation on timber harvest or timber growth, not timber harvest, timber growth. Mm-hmm and lessen the reason, lessen the need 
for any take related to black bears in the spring. Right. The only comments I've heard through were through the commission and they don't like those feeding stations because they think that gives hunters an advantage, even though hunters are instructed to avoid those areas and do avoid those areas. Hmm. I could see that. Like, again, us being completely honest and authentic, if you were, and the spring bear tag was quite a, a lucrative tag to draw. It wasn't a, It wasn't very easy to draw, right? No, the odds were not great. So if you did draw a spring bear tag, and you knew where the feeding stations were, and you were re- instructed to stay away, you know, I don't know what kind of restriction. Do you know what kind of restriction they had around the bay, the, bait, the baiting stations? Was it 100 yards, 200 100 yards? 100 yards um, is my understanding, yeah. Well, geez, 100 yards is nothing. It's not far. 100 yards, you can see bears come to the bait, and you can see bears leaving the bait. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they had some sort of regulation about seeing, being in eyesight of the bait or something like that. I'm sure they did. That's most baiting laws have some sort of like visual observation distance, not distance, but you can't be within a hundred yards of the bait station, but you also cannot visually see the bait station. Yeah, that I'm not sure in that area. That's so those baiting stations only take place on the West side of the state. They don't have those in my area on the east side of the state that I'm aware of. So is the spring bear season in your side of the state too? It is, yes. It's a statewide tag, and most of our tags are up in the mountain areas. Okay. So now we're at, so we have this vote, four to four. Spring bear season did not move forward Mm -hmm. because of this little discrepancy that is that the year is behind the special permit. And so instead of reverting back to the regulations of 2021, the season was canceled. Yes. So since then, lots of things have happened. We've had a a large petition go around that I think is at 21,000, 22,000 signatures at this point. Um, We had four petitions, didn't we? Last I had heard, there were four that were filed that, that, that are up for consideration on January 21st. So on January 21st, which is in eight days' time, this podcast is going to be dropping next Thursday, the 20th, so tomorrow. Tomorrow the commission is going to be meeting. And what is the commission going to be discussing tomorrow, Marie? So what the commission will do, this is a meeting that's viewable by the public, but they will not be accepting public comment. Okay, but today, and this is again... Back last Friday, January 14th was the last day for public comment, not public comment, for you to to input public comment. Uh, What am I trying to say, Marie? So I think what you're meaning is there's commission meetings are going on today and tomorrow. So January 13th and 14th. Okay. The commission meeting on tomorrow, January 14th, they are accepting verbal testimony at that meeting so anyone that wants to you have to sign up online ahead of time right but anyone who wants to give that public live testimony would have to do so at the meeting and this is and so at that meeting people would have given live verbal testimony about the any topic or specifically the spring bear uh black bear season 
So each commission meeting starts with public testimony on any topic. Okay. Any topic that doesn't have room for public comment later on in the meeting. Okay. And they will use this verbal public comment. They will take that into consideration on the 21st? Uh, potentially, that would be the hope. Okay. So tomorrow on the 21st, the commission will gather. They will gather and they will take a look at each rule petition that was submitted. And they'll have their legal counsel there as well. And I think some department members to advise them. And they decide whether they want to accept or deny that rule petition that has been submitted. So when a rule petition has been submitted, if they accept it, then it gets sent to the department for the research and to go through the process. So here we call it, it's a continuing resolutions process. So it goes through a CR 101, a CR 102, and then a CR 103 is when it gets adopted. Okay. So if they accepted the petition that was filed, then it would start that CR process. So one of the petitions is your petition. So a petition was submitted by the Inland Northwest Wildlife Council, and that petition was born out of a whole host of conversations that took place after the season was canceled. One of the things I love about the Wildlife Council is that my contract guides that I work with are members, that I work with other nonprofit groups, that I work with state departments, as well as um, private, public organizations as well. So after this meeting was canceled, we had a whole lot of conversations to see where hunters were, to see where any sportsmen, we'll, we'll listen to anyone, where they were and where they felt. And those conversations turned into this petition. You were one of the people that we talked with in the beginning as we mm -hmm. started kind of drafting our ideas around that petition. Um, other groups included uh, Dan Wilson with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. He was a big part of those conversations. Uh, we had reached out to Clay Newcomb at the Meat Eater Group. He's mm -hmm. been a part of conversation since about 2020. Mm -hmm. um, that's been really nice. Um, other groups, Wenatchee Sportsmen's, Hunter Her Hunters Heritage Council, Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation, uh, Congressional Sportsmen's Club. A lot of groups came in and talked to us and shared their opinion, and we took all of that and created a petition that represented the sportsman's voice. Mm -hmm. Here are the concerns we had about that season being canceled, and here is why we think this rule needs to be fixed so that it doesn't mm -hmm. happen in the future. Right. And the simple fix is? You remove the year from the title. That's it. So that if it doesn't pass, then you just revert back to the permits you had the year before. Mm -hmm. Because what should have happened is if they wanted to actually take the ethics or the validity of the season into consideration, those commissioners with those concerns have a way to submit a rule request as well. I believe it's called a blue sheet. So they would submit that rule change request and the department would do different research than what was done for this 2022 season. Then they can look at financial impacts. How does this financially impact the Department of Fish and Game? How does it financially impact the rural areas that would have had hunters there with these permits? How does it impact other wildlife populations within the game management plan? There's a whole lot of other considerations that they didn't take because a loophole existed that allowed them to go around mm -hmm. that process. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the other three petitions, 
Do you know what the other three petitions are? I do not. Um, I haven't seen them posted online, and I don't okay. know what will happen closer to the meeting. Okay. Do we know where our petition is in the in the queue? Are we last? Are we first? Are we? We were number four. Okay. Because when good. I when I submitted I like it, I heard we had three unders, three others. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, who knows? Who knows what the other three are? But I know that in speaking with you, it's almost the most parsimonious path forward. It's just a simple change. We're not yeah. asking for anything crazy. Just asking for a simple change. Yeah. Um, so what do we expect the commissioners? You know, let's play. Let's hedge your bets. I, I started this podcast by asking you a percentage of us getting back the spring bear season. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very low. And based on what you said, I would say not going to happen. Yeah. What's the chances of our petition being accepted? I'm hopeful that it's a high percentage because it's not, it's not taking the validity of the season into question. We're not opening that argument. What we're doing is looking at procedural issues that existed and that caused a season to be removed without the mm -hmm. proper public procedure, mm -hmm. without the policies being followed. Mm -hmm. The public should have been notified about a season being considered for cancellation and that wasn't done. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Okay. So, Let's, I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll push the envelope a little bit. Have we done our politics, Marie? Because it all comes down to politics, okay? And we know that the spring bear season was a four to four vote, mm -hmm. which we now know is actually a four to three vote. Because yes. Koontz is not there. Mm -hmm. What do we know? Have we, have you talked to the commissioners that voted yes about our petition? I have not. Um, but there are other groups that are having those conversations and that are scheduled to kind of ask questions, mm -hmm. um, is my understanding. Um, I think we have a good chance, not just because there is one less commissioner. But I think the other side of it that certainly helps. That helps a lot. If it's, if it's a vote, if it comes down to a vote, it cannot tie tomorrow. It cannot tie. It cannot tie tomorrow. But I think what is a better help is actually the involvement of all of the groups. It helps that our petition has so much backing that so many groups like you have supported us. Mm -hmm. But it also helps that the hunting community has come out in force and has written emails to the commission and is starting to really activate and to share their story and share their message because it shows that one of the arguments being made against the season was that only 5% of Washington hunts. And so therefore 95% of Washington must be against spring bear hunting. Oh. That's a big leap and that's conjecture. Mm -hmm. But so the number, but if you look at the number of public testimony at that November meeting, it kind of matches with that argument. There were only a handful of hunters who spoke in favor of the season, and there were quite a few who spoke against it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now that it was this, it was the it was. This is what was. This is what I think is changing, and I'll say I'll tell you why I think it's changing. 
Hunters historically have done a horrible job of engaging. We're seeing it in Arizona right now. The mm-hmm. hunt guidelines are open for all hunt regular, you know, all the recommendations tied to every single species that is huntable in the state of Arizona. Amber Munich got misquoted by saying, hey guys, without saying it, FYI, we're getting a lot of anti-hunters telling us to cancel all of the predator seasons. There hasn't been an, a single hunter comment to say, yes, we are approving of these, of these guidelines. Why? Because in the past, it, it all looks good. We're not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Now, there is a lot of, there's a lot of traffic right now. Colorado, you saw Colorado SB22 just dropped yesterday. 48 hours. I have never seen a storm that has happened in 48 hours since that thing has dropped. Everyone is talking about mm-hmm. it. Everyone. So I think people are becoming more aware. I think people are, we're starting to fight a little bit of fire with fire. People are starting to figure out we can do our own petitions. We can do our own mail-ins. We can do our own call-ins. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. And all we need is people to just back us just like they do. Yeah. Well, and I find, at least through the group I work with at the council, hunters are a very humble group. We don't like to tell our story. Mm-hmm. Just, we don't like to brag. And we're used to being attacked if we do share our story. But we need to start doing that because people don't understand. So all they hear is the negative side, that trophy hunters are killing cubs and they're just doing it for the hide and they throw the rest down the hill so that they can hang the hide on the wall. That's not the real story. Mm-hmm. We need to start sharing, start to finish that whole story. Talk about 100%. the scouting. Talk about, you know, the scouting trips with family and the, the meals that you make from it. Start to finish is what they need to hear so that they can understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think if people understood hunting and understood everything that goes into it, they would support it. Whether they choose to participate in hunting or not, I think a lot of people would still support it. Mm-hmm. I'm a thousand percent behind you. You literally just uh, explained why Blood Origins exists, essentially, right there. And I think Blood Origins is wonderful because it helps get that message out. And I, I enjoy listening to your podcast when you have people who don't hunt and who maybe aren't favorable to it because I enjoy hearing their perspective as well. And I mm-hmm. think it's great to open that conversation and get everyone to the table together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important perspectives, right? We have such a divergence of perspectives in the hunting community, but mm-hmm. hearing from a non-hunter that's separated from it, you're right. I love those conversations. It's just, it's almost refreshing and it's almost iron sharpening iron because they come at you with various questions. And you're like, oh shit, I better be able to answer that question as a hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, I better understand why I hunt. Yes, and to even reflect on it and refine your opinion and. Really well, just reflect on the why do, I, why do I make that stance, right? I say this. Hunters are notorious. They'll say this. They'll say X. And you're like, okay, why do you say X? Mm-hmm. And they're like, um, because he said it. I'm <laughs> like, nah, that's not a good enough answer. Right. You need to understand it. And in understanding it, you may actually not believe in X. Or you may believe in X. You know, even more. Yeah, and it may even strengthen your opinion. So, um, we'll see, right? We'll see tomorrow.
I'm hopeful that we made a compelling argument and the reason why that change needs to be made. So talk through process. Let's again, hypothetically say, yes, we get the votes four to three. It goes, I would assume that's how it's going to go. Four in favor, three not in favor. It moves forward to your C101 phase. That's my understanding. Yes. But then so how long go- does it take to go from C101 to 103? And is there a public comment period in between all of those steps? There is, yes. So the CR101, my understanding of it, and I hope I'm not misunderstanding, but is that that starts, that's like the initial public notice, like this, we have intent of looking at this rule and they accept public comment on that rule and their intention to look at that rule during that time. While that's going on, the department is doing their research and preparing their presentation for the commission. And then sometimes it goes to commission committees to be discussed first before coming up to the full commission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's opportunities for public comment each step along the way there. Mm -hmm. And then after the, they'll have a commission meeting where it's considered it's a public hearing. So it's a presentation to the commission that also after that presentation allows public testimony. And then the next step is that they go to the commission meeting where it's voted on. And that one does not have public testimony, but you can give written testimony ahead of that meeting. Mm -hmm. So it can be a pretty lengthy process. But it would happen this year. That would be my hope, that there would be some sort of expedited process to it. Sure, sure, sure. Well, all you're doing is removing a number. So you'd hope it wouldn't be too drug out of a process. No, because there's not a lot of biological changes to research with that. It's a season that was in place. We're just removing some numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am, uh, I'm, you know, holding my fingers and my thumbs and my toes um, because I'm, you know, the hunting community has definitely reacted the way that they need to react and they need to stay vigilant and they need to stay engaged in this process. And um, yeah, look, are you going to be at the meeting? So not in Is it person. a face-to-face? Is it an in-person meeting? It's a webinar, is my okay. understanding. So I'll okay. be there remotely. Okay. Well, you've got my cell phone number, so um, text me once you're here, okay? Definitely. I want to be one of the first people you text to say yes, big thumbs up, or a big thumbs down. Okay. I'll put you first on the list. <laughs> uh, anything else that anyone needs to know about this whole spring bear, spring black bear season. I want to say thank you to everyone who's really stepped up and taken action on this and to everyone that's shared their voice. The commission can't represent our voice if we don't share it with them. So I want to encourage everyone. I know we want the season back fast. That's kind of what everyone wants. Don't give up hope and don't quit. Like, Mm -hmm. stay in this for the long haul because this isn't the only thing that could be impacted. Already there's talks about reducing tags on elk in our state because of impacts to the herds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we need to stay engaged. Even if this doesn't go through, don't give up. We need to keep going. Yeah, 100%. Don't give up. Stay stay the course. Mm -hmm. Um, See what happens tomorrow. And uh, keep your nose to the grindstone. Yes. Marie, thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to meet you in this process and uh, I look forward to what happens next. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for 
assisting and signing on with us. No, it was our pleasure. It was actually the first ever thing that we ever signed on to. Was it? Yes, ma'am. Wonderful. So it was a great thing to sign on to. Thanks, Marie. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.